0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Get ready for some page turning today as Pastor Jim makes his way from the middle of the Bible to the end, and then all the way back to the beginning again. If you're driving, then have your passenger do the page navigation for you and keep your eyes on the road, but don't miss this important message, God wants to bless you. Since the beginning of man, he has blessed your very existence, even sending his son to die for your sins and make eternal life with him possible for you someday. What a great God we serve! So let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Psalms, chapter 72, as he continues his message, praying for new leadership.
1: Interesting, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday, just yesterday, and we were talking about his uncle, who had become a follower of Jesus, and he goes, the guy went from being like the worst guy on the planet to totally changed. And I said to him, you know what happened to him? He said, what? He goes, well, he always tells me he got saved. I don't know what he's talking about. I said, God rescued him from who he was. He goes, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So I find the word rescue with a lot of people who don't understand what saved means to be a little bit more of an effective word. That's one reason why some people say to me, Why don't you preach out of the King James Version? I read the King James Version. I have nothing against the King James Version, okay? But the words are, have different meanings now. Words change meaning over time, right? Now, I think it's safe to say in this service, because there was one guy who answered yes in the last service, do any of you speak Elizabethan English? No, okay? So unless you understand Elizabethan English, it's not really going to help you. Now, some of you lie to people. You're, you say you're an English teacher. You're not. You're an American teacher. <laughs> okay. Whenever you talk to a Brit, they go, we speak English. You speak American. Okay, so words, they, they change. All right, so I just find save a little bit easier. It says, so he will have compassion or pity on the poor and the needy, and he will save or rescue the souls or the lives of the needy. Well, when it comes to needing God, who's that? That's everybody. So he's talking about everybody who puts their trust in Jesus. Verse 14, he will redeem or rescue their life from the oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight. So God loves his people, and he considers their lives, and that's what he's talking about with the blood, he considers their lives to be very precious in his sight. And when you read the Bible, you really get the feeling that God has very strong feelings on life. And, and life is only taken under certain instances. He's got very, very strong opinions on that. And so even when somebody dies who just was just not a nice person, this part of us, I hope, that is like, well, you know it's really a shame. They were created in the image of God, and yet they never realized their full redemptive potential. They never got there. So here we see that Jesus is a king for what the psalmist said in verse 11 is all the nations. And when Jesus Christ comes, it will be to rescue his people. When Jesus sees the the needy and the poor, when Jesus sees thirsty souls, he will rescue. Why? Because he is a God of compassion. That's why the Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Because when he senses that heart of neediness, he's so full of compassion. It's like he's like, I just can't say no to this one. Now, many versions use the word pity, a word that a lot of us don't like. We consider it insulting. We're like, I don't need their pity, right? I don't know about you. I need God's pity, right? But they say, I don't need their pity. But in the Bible, the word pity really means By you will feel compassion for what someone is troubled by, maybe their circumstances. So, basically, the Lord's saying, I will have compassion on people's circumstances. And though Psalm 72 could be associated with King Solomon, to me, it feels like at this point, we have just totally left King Solomon right now. I mean, he was tough, he built his wealth on the backs of the people. They told his son, Hey, unless you, you know, stop acting like your father, we're not going to follow you, and he just increased the burden, and it resulted in a civil war, and the nation split. Psalm 72 appears to be going out of its way to say how God is pleased with the care for the afflicted and the suffering. And we see this all over the first coming of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus constantly helping the hurting and healing the sick. You know, we talk about great leadership traits. There's all kinds of books on leaderships. Go on Amazon and Google leadership books, and oh my goodness, they're all over the place. But in Jesus, I think we see maybe the greatest leadership quality, and certainly the amount of people that follow him would bear this out, and the amount of religions that borrow from him bears it out. Perhaps his greatest trait as a leader was being other centered. Jesus was an other centered person. And sadly, that's becoming a rare trait in people. It's becoming very rare. Verse that we read around here a lot if you're new, I want to make sure that we you understand this. It says this Mark 10:45, for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now what's a ransom? Ransom is what you pay for a prisoner. Somebody kidnaps someone and the kidnappers call on and go, hello. Well, they always describe their voices, right? And, uh, you know, drop $5 million at the Best Depot, right? <laughs> and so Jesus paid the ransom. And many times I have said to the people here, and it's so important that you understand this as a follower of Jesus, until you see Jesus serving you on the cross, serving you on the cross, you will never really, truly be a servant of Jesus. You will never really, truly be a servant of the kingdom of God and of this world. I mean, think about it. It's absolutely incredible. God becomes a man, and he lives in a podunk poor town called Nazareth. What does that tell us? Anybody can come in. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. Anybody's welcome in. They knew him as Jesus of Nazareth, and the humility is absolutely amazing. He's out there doing miracles. He's out there sending the religious leaders tail tucked as they're trying to outsmart him theologically. He sends them home, and they are like, "Oh my gosh, how do, how's your day today, honey? Oh, let's talk to Jesus. Oh, is there any wine in the house? This <laughs> is right? I mean, a, a bad, bad thing. And yet, right, all that he did." He does not demand people's respect and honor when he was here. He simply says to them, this is what the kingdom is like. This is where I have come from. This is what I'm going to do for you. And people either say, you know what? I will follow this guy with everything I have for the rest of my life. Or they just walk away. And they're like, oh, well, too much, too much. And then what does he do? He lets us kill him on a cross. Now, I know some of you are like, I wasn't there. It wasn't me. I would have objected. Oh, sure you would have. (laughs) Sure. Nobody else did. Nobody else did. They're afraid the Romans would have been like, hey, well, we'll string you up too. (laughs) No problem, bring some more wood. Come on, not a problem for those guys. But why would Jesus do all that? Well, he just told us because he came to serve. And that's why motivated by grace, true followers of Jesus serve the kingdom of God, serve Jesus and serve the world. He particularly served people who couldn't give him anything. There was nothing they could do in return. One time, I was up at Starbucks at the mall. I met this guy there, and just did a conversation. Told him I was a pastor, and he said, "I I do have a question for you." I said, "That's fine. Love to answer it for you." So as I go to sit down, he goes, "How much do you charge?" I go, "How much do I charge?" And he goes, "Yeah, there's another pastor that that comes here at this Starbucks, and he he charges by the hour to talk to him." I said, "Who pays for the coffee?" I said, I'm not going to charge you anything. Well, that guy has since been outed. He got, uh, he's figured out what was going on. He's not in the ministry anymore. Not one of our guys. He's still been outed if he was one of our guys. But it's just like, what are you kidding me? Jesus did stuff for people who couldn't, who couldn't give him anything. Not the lazy. Let's distinguish that. The needy. Not the lazy, the needy. In our world, the rich and famous, they seem to catch a break, don't they? They say, oh, that's a felony. Charge them with a misdemeanor. Right? Oh, that's a misdemeanor. Give them a parking ticket. Oh, that's a parking ticket. We'll just rip it up. I mean, they don't do any of that stuff. They get off on everything, but not in the next world. Not unless they have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. But the humble and the hurting, Jesus values their lives. It's amazing. The psalmist calls it their blood. And for those people, they can understand that the violence will end. Once again, this sets Jesus apart as the one who rules his people without partiality. With Jesus, there is no special interest group. There's no power class. There's no social elites. There's no big thinkers. None of those people. Only two groups of people, heaven bound followers of Jesus and everybody else. That's it. Number five, praying for a generous leader. Verse 15 to 17 is really the end of the psalm. It says, And he shall live, or long may he live, and the gold of Sheba will be given to him, speaking of honor. Prayer will also be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised, or blessed. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth on top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon. What does that mean? Another version says, may its fruit be like Lebanon. May the the mountains even be rich with fruit. And those of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth, or some versions say like the grass of the field. Like they will be just flourishing. Everything will be going well. His name, verse 17, shall, or some say, may his name endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. You know what that is? That's the promise made to Abraham. Way back in Genesis. All nations shall call him blessed. So he's telling us here, people will love this king. He will be so generous. People will love him. Now for sure, we have to admit that Jesus expects us to work hard. He expects us to live sacrificially. He expects us to carry a cross. He expects us to endure suffering. But I can tell you this, people who see that in light of his generosity, of him becoming a man and living a perfect life in our place and dying on the cross in our place and offering us his righteousness, when you catch all of that, you realize that it becomes a privilege to serve him, and to praise him. But it's doing so with your life, not just your lips. Now, to such people, by the way, this does not mean perfect. Remember, we've been saying on Wednesday nights, there's a lot of Jacob in all of us. But the king promises endless blessing. And one of those things is in the next life, he will take the Jacob out of us. This will be truly the golden age, and it will be for all eternity You see, the thing is that King Solomon made himself rich. But King Jesus promises to make all of his people rich. Prosperous. Peace in your soul. Contentment. I don't know about you, but the biggest thing I want in my life, if if you if, if you needed one thing in your life, what would it be? It would be peace in my soul and contentment. That's all it is. Now, there's a holy discontentment when you're just not satisfied with the glory of Christ on this earth and you want to tell others about it, that's a good form of discontentment. Don't miss the end of verse 17. It says, And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. You may want to circle that in your Bible and just draw out to the margin and don't have to agree with me. But to me, this sums up a great deal of the Bible. Right there and men shall be blessed in him, all nations shall call him blessed. I think a lot of times we forget that we were created for, among other things, to experience the blessings of God. Much of that is in the presence of God in your life, but you've got to kind of get out of the busyness of life to experience that. But it's been that way since the beginning of time. God made Adam and Eve. And do you know what it says in Genesis 1.28? Then God blessed them. Right from the very beginning, that's been a goal of God. But sadly, they, we went our own way. And in time, God started over again with Abraham. And then his grandson, Jacob, who we're studying on Wednesday nights, he, you know, he ushered in the nation of Israel. And then centuries later, the Messiah of Jesus came through them. And God's righteousness came through Jesus And it was offered to all of us. Now, at the end of some of your Bibles, it might say this is the ending of book two or something like that. There's five books in the Psalms. The first two books are largely David. And so verses 18 through 20 really close book two. It says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who only does wondrous things. Now, remember the Apostle Paul said, when I came to you, to the Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I pretended to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, to Paul, that was one of the most wondrous things. Verse 19 says, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended or concluded. So, Here we have, he has moved us from his time period, 1000 BC, through what he hoped for the kings and there was miserable failure all the way along the way. Maybe a little stop off at the life of Jesus here on earth, but now into the future, giving us a vision of what it will be like when Jesus returns. And he says, praise the Lord for his wondrous works. Creation, yes. Yes. But I would like to make the case to you even more so the calling of sinners back to himself for salvation and worship and the offer of Christ's forgiveness of sins and righteousness to anyone who would put their trust in him. So some of you might be sitting there right now saying, did he just say that Jesus Christ coming to earth and dying for our sins and offering us to be reconciled to God brings more glory to God than all of the creation. I think I might have. You'll have to judge that for yourself. In Psalm 72, God has presented us, and please do not leave home without this. Leave the church today without this. Don't go home without this. He has presented us with an exciting vision of the future and eternity. Now I realize, for many of you, your world is turned upside down right now. My world is turned upside down right now. Okay? I realize for many of you, this is hard to see. But it is coming. It is coming. And some days... I can tell you the truth. I can tell you the truth. Some days, that will be the only thing that will get you out of bed in the morning. Is to know that there will be a day. See, if you think about it, just having your troubles removed, that's not enough. That there will be a day when the glory of God will be seen everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? And you have to think forward, look forward to that day. Be like a little kid. You tell a little kid, you know, we're going on vacation. You tell them, you make the mistake of telling them six months in advance. (laughs) And every day, we're going on vacation today. We're going on vacation today. I remember, you know, we used to talk about Christmas all the time we were kids. I'm so dastardly, I'm sorry. I woke up my little brother one time. He's five years younger than me, middle of July. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, get up, get up. And he ran out. (laughs) I got a little trouble for that one. (laughs) But some days, that will be all I'll get you out of bed in the morning. My wife said to me this week, start writing my mom's funeral, Honey. She never calls me, she always calls me darling. Start writing my mother's funeral. She goes to a church, but we both know you're her pastor. That's not easy. I Man, I had to write my own father's funeral. It was horrible. And I've done a lot of funerals. But when they're hit so close to home, when you're about to lose loved ones or you, or you just can't catch a break in life, Jesus is like, this is what I need you to think about. When all of this stuff is going to be behind you and it won't be that way anymore. Remember we said that this book was also called by some the second temple songbook. They had no king. When they came back from Babylon, there was no more kings, and they were waiting for the king of kings to come just like us. And when they sang, they sang these songs, just longing for God to come. Are you longing for God to come, not to just to get you out of this miserable world, but for his glory? And then Jesus came if you really knew your Old Testament, which most of them did, could you imagine sitting at the Sermon on the Mount and hearing this come out of his mouth, blessed are the poor in spirit. They must have been like, did you hear what he just said? Did you hear what he just said? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They must have been like, what is going on here? Is this the Messiah? And this was considered a messianic song. Is this the Messiah of Psalm 72? When John the Baptist was in prison, he had sent a message to Jesus. Are you the one? And Jesus says, hey, man, go back to him. Tell him to be patient. He's not getting out of this place. He's going home soon. But tell them to be patient. Same for us. Tell them to see the miracles. Tell them to, to, to listen to the words of Jesus. For us, we get to see the crucified and risen King and to be actively waiting for him to come back. At the second coming, all will be made right. Revelation 22, near the end of the Bible, says this Jesus says, Surely I am coming quickly. Friend, I pray for you that before Jesus returns, he conquers your heart. Because if he doesn't conquer your heart, you're going to meet the angels. And you know what they're going to tell you? Unfortunately, my friend, you're going to have to lick the dust. And that is not what you want. That is not what you want. Can I be honest with you? This is why I do what I do. This is why so many of the people you see serving around here, this is why we do what we do. We do it out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, but also because we don't want the people that walk through the doors of this church to be the people that lick the dust. Verse 19 tells us, and blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Remember what that means? True and true, let us pray for King Jesus and his perfect kingdom to come. Not because we hate living here, but because we want to see his glory. And while we are here, let's learn as much as we can about him. Let's look forward to his coming and let's bring as many as we can with us. I recently heard a pastor of a very large church that was using a particular church model that most of the church models up here are using, and he said, I can guarantee you, if you take all the people who think they're Christians, 90% of them are not. May that never be us. So today, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, please do it today. and Let all of our prayers be this, for the glory of God, Come, Lord Jesus, come.
0: Come, Lord Jesus, come. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world, and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.